Moses is finally on his way back to Egypt. It's taken us weeks to cover the encounter between Moses and the burning bush. And Moses put up quite a fight, didn't he? He talked back to God and shared all of the reasons why this was not a good idea. But finally, he's going. We catch up with Moses today when he returns to the place of his upbringing, when he returns to his relatives, his people. Uh, He's going back to his greatest place of failure in life. And what must it be like for him to, for the first time, look upon this land again? He's been away for 40 years. When he left, they wanted to kill him. And now he returns. You would think God, after all that Moses agreed to, you would think that God would go ahead and make this a very great reunion uh, and that God would get to work speeding along the process of the rescue. But the title of today's sermon is, When Bad Gets Worse. When Bad Gets Worse. Because Moses shows up and things get worse. Moses does what God says and things get worse. He goes where God tells him to go and things get, come on, say it, worse. Worse. And this is what's going to happen in your life and mine. I've got, uh, I want to encourage you this morning because maybe you had some bad days this week. Maybe it was a bad week. Maybe you're already having a bad month. Uh, But there are people who had worse days than you. Check it out. Here's a picture of somebody who had a really bad day. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, unfortunate. Here's another person. Bad day. At work, doing his job, and the cord got caught in the elevator and up it went. How do you fix that? Here's another person who had very bad day. Oh, I'll do it. We don't need to call anybody. <laughs> Here's another picture of somebody who had a very, very bad day. <laughs> yeah, that's bad day. <laughs> don't lose your balance. Don't lose your balance. And here's final, the last picture of somebody. He's yeah, he, he's just on the phone, and you can... I would love to hear that conversation, wouldn't you? I would just love to hear. What happened? Um, bad day. You will have bad days, and those bad days will get worse, and perhaps they will happen because you're doing exactly what God said. Let's pray, and then we'll enter the new chapter of Moses' life here together. Father, bless our time in your word. Bless our time as we look around in our own lives and wonder what you're doing. We pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear who you are, what you do, why you do it that way. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to Exodus chapter 5. We're going to be in several verses today, but all around the same neighborhood. So if you get to Exodus 5, you'll be good. Quick summary of where we've been already. We're entering a new chapter. That's why there's a new cover on your bulletin. Uh, But we're entering a new chapter in Moses' life. What's already happened? Well, he was born. He was supposed to be thrown into the Nile, but he was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised royalty uh, by Egyptians, even though he was a Hebrew. Um, The Pharaoh has the Hebrews as slaves, the Israelites, for working on his building project, perhaps even the pyramids, 
uh, and it's a, it's a bad life, it's a tough life, it's a hard life, and they're under a wicked ruler. Welcome to earth, Moses. But God oversaw his protection. He was raised in the palace. Then when he was 40 years old, he went to look on his people. And here this guy is. He's got it all. And he sees his people in misery. And he tries to do something about it. And it backfires. They reject him. The Egyptians want to kill him. He flees for the hills. He goes off to Midian, lives in the middle of nowhere, obscurity for 40 years. And then God shows up in the form of a burning bush and says, I'm sending you back to rescue my people. We spent several weeks on the conversation between God and Moses. All of those sermons are available on our app or online. Check those out so you can catch up. Here we are in chapter 4. Actually, look at verse 29. It says, Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. Signs included what? Do you remember what they were? What, what happened with the staff? Gather around, gather around, everyone. We're back. This is Moses who left 40 years ago. All right, I want to show you something. I would have so much fun with this. I mean, I would have so much fun. Closer, closer, little closer. <laughs> Snake chases them all off, right? I'd put the kids in the front row. I mean, they show them the signs. You know, he pulls his hand out of his cloak, and what does it have on it? <laughs> I mean, he's got leprosy on his hand, and then it's healed. I mean, the people are amazed. He can turn water into blood. Why? Give, all right, give me your water bottle. Uh-huh, very good. Now watch this. Go ahead and drink it. <laughs> I mean, people are amazed at what's going on here. They do the signs, and the people are just blown away. It says the people believed. When they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, and that he, this is awesome, had seen their affliction. That summarizes hundreds of years of God doing what they hoped he was doing, which is watching. He had seen their affliction, and they bowed their heads, and they worshiped. Wow. They are living in slavery. They are living in bondage. And God has allowed it to go on for hundreds of years. Now they're excited because God has seen. But just take a moment to look around Egypt with me. Here we're at 1500 BC, and here we're looking around. What are we seeing? We're seeing the people of promise, the descendants of Abraham. And they are being whipped and beaten every day. They are being pushed in forced labor. Uh, they're allowed to have some measure of civilization. Uh, they have food. They have shelter. They have clothing, uh, but they have no freedom. They have no dignity, and they will do what they're told when they're told, and there's no hope of them getting out of this. What a terrible life. In chapter 5, verse 1, they hope things are about to change. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Wow. I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. No. They walk in, and they say, The Lord says, Let my people go. No. Bye-bye. 
get out of my presence. No. Jot this down. Number one, God will allow your life to get bad. It's bad, and it's not changing. Uh, it's bad, it's bad, and it's not changing. I don't know who your boss is, but if God sent Moses to your boss to say, uh, do a better job treating your employees right as of right now, thus says the Lord, maybe your boss would be like, get out. Maybe you're like, yeah, I know that. I live that. Uh, but here's the mightiest man in the known world back then. He's got the power. He thinks he's a god, uh, one of them. And here comes this, we're not told anything. We have so many questions. Were they related? You know, did Moses' mom try and get him the throne? Was there some family rivalry here? Uh, you know, but, but Moses showed up with Aaron, and it's not like the Pharaoh was like, put them in shackles. I mean, there was definitely a reverence there. There was some sort of respect, and there was some sort of, like, can't really touch him. We don't know the specifics, but it's very interesting that Moses and Aaron had the voice to go to the Pharaoh and confront him. And yet the Pharaoh said, no, absolutely not. Things are bad. God has allowed things to be bad for hundreds of years. We learn a lot about God and life as we just pause here, and they had never heard of the Red Sea. They had never heard of the plagues. They had in Sunday school, no one ever got up with a little flannel graph and was like, and now the Pharaoh gets thrown into the sea. You know, like they'd never seen that. None of it. All they got is a no. Slam door. Get out of here. Things are bad. There is a defiant ruler who thinks he's a god standing in the way of the Israelites gaining their freedom. And God's done nothing about it for hundreds of years. Given the story of Joseph, remember that? Perhaps Pharaoh should have known the Lord. Should have known the Lord. Even if there's a new group ruling the land now, they, they should have been able to search the records and find out what these Israelites did to save the land from famine. So perhaps he should have known the Lord. This is a country that has forgotten the God that saved them from dying through the famine. They forgot him. This raises an important question that we all have to ask. Why does God allow trials? Why does he allow things to go wrong? Why does he allow hardship in our lives? If these are, this is such a weird thing to hear. My people let them go. Well, why did you even let them get enslaved in the first place? Glad you're here. How did this happen? You see how both of those things are rumbling through the heart here? How could God allow his chosen people to be thrown in slavery to let the Egyptians throw their babies into the Nile. How could, where has God been? You see all of the questions we have here? You're probably asking the same thing. How come? Why would God allow this? How come things go bad in my life? Uh, I, sometimes I wonder when I go to the dentist why God made teeth. I mean, was there another way? All right. My, my dentist uh, has done a great job, and I've needed a lot of dental work. I've had seven root canals. I need two hands to show you how many root canals I've had. Seven. Uh, I, but that makes me more Christ-like than you because, <laughs> hear me out, <laughs> because I have been crowned with many crowns. <laughs> huh? <laughs> if you've never gotten a root canal, oh, they pull, they pull out the little drill when you come in. Okay, the drill that does a root canal is this long, right? 
It touches your toes, it's so long. Because they have to get down, to, you know how a tooth looks, right? They've got roots, and they've got to get into the root, just all the way into the jaw. They put a little nail anchor in there, and oh, why? Why? I mean, the first hundred years of heaven, I'm only going to eat Skittles, just because I'm going to be enjoying my perfect body. I'm telling you this. And I'm going to make fun of all the dentists who are out of work. That's my plan. Uh, but if you think about it, things go wrong. Dental pain. You've heard in the past my eye story, right? A terrible infection in one of my eyes. Uh, and uh, that's just with the body. Then you could have so many things go wrong in your life. You can have financial setbacks. You can have, you know, your children seem to be doing so well and then they're not. You can have catastrophic things happen in a day that you didn't see coming. Uh, and we just have to ask ourselves, why? Why, why will God allow life to get so bad? Maybe you feel like the Israelites. How long, O oh Lord? How long until you do something? What other questions do we ask when life gets bad? Why me? Why me? Is God punishing me? Um, another question we ask is when? When is God going to help me? You know, I hear so many God stories of, of what he's done in the lives of other people, but where's my story? Where's my God story? How come that's not here yet? We ask so many questions when life gets bad. And you have to understand that God has a plan for your pain. You need to know that. God uses pain to strengthen our faith. It's very valuable to him. When you are a Christian, God uses pain to prove his presence. When you're not a Christian, God uses pain to prove his absence. Pain is supposed to show Christians God is there. Pain is supposed to show non-Christians God is not there. You're going it alone. C.S. Lewis commented on the purpose of pain. He said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. When your life is going fine, things are good, you've got what you need, no real issues, you're very reluctant to listen to the need for God. When your life falls apart and burns down and a house falls on you, then you're listening. And so many people who go through a salvation or a renewal experience with God have quite a story to share that involves a lot of pain. It's valuable. If you're not a Christian, maybe God is using some pain in your life to break your will, to open your eyes, to confront your pride, to say to you that you can't make it through this life without the Son of God like you thought. Maybe God is waking you up because he loves you. God will allow your life to get bad. We know one of the reasons God has allowed the Israelites' life to get bad is a beautiful reason. Because he's using the whole country as an object lesson uh, to show us the human condition. When we look at Israel and we see them in slavery and there's no hope of release, guess what we're supposed to see? Us. Spiritually, that's you. You're enslaved. 
you're in bondage. You have a very powerful overlord who's commanding your existence, and that's sin. You can't get out. Even if you want to, you can't. The world disagrees with us on this, but we think that from birth, you are enslaved to sin. You can't change. You can't. You need a deliverer to show up and to lead you out of the land of slavery, through the waters of death, into the land of promise. Guess who that is? The Lord Jesus Christ. God's acting all of that out for you. Now, the Israelites didn't know that at the time, but God's using the whole country to preview what Jesus is going to do for the world. It's a beautiful thing, but they don't know that. They just know that the whip is touching their back every day. God will allow your life to get bad. He has many reasons why, but he will do it. He'll let your life get bad. Well, Moses confronts the Pharaoh. Aaron's there with him. And things get worse. Check out verse 5. Uh, actually, reading on to verse, yeah, verse 5. It says, And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks. As in the past, let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to, get this, what does it say there? Lying words. Lying words. God, you can jot this down, will allow bad to get worse. Bad will get worse. The deliverer shows up and delivers the message. And things go from bad to worse. Because they're saying what God said. Because they're going where God directed. Do you see how this is working? Things are getting worse. Pharaoh said, you're lazy. And he's lying. Get back to work. And let's make it worse. Let's take away what we're providing for them and make them uh, fill the same quota. That'll shut them up. Wow. God will allow bad to get worse. Look at verse 12. So they did it. And in verse uh, 12, it says, So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task, each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Where are the bricks? Where are the bricks? Where are the bricks? This is humiliating. Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. Behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But Pharaoh said, you are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met with Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh. 
and his servants, get this, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses failed again. This curse that the Lord judged between you and us. You've put a sword in the hand of the Pharaoh to kill us. You're killing us. What's it like to be Moses in that moment? He gets rejected again by his own people. Bad just got worse. Worse for the Israelites. Worse for Moses. Worse for Aaron. Because they're doing God's will. We have a picture from the like 13th century BC that was found in Egyptian texts and murals depicting the process of brick making at the time. Check it out. It shows uh, at the bottom there, it shows the process of brick making and hauling the brick around and what it must have been like uh, to work every day in slavery. And it was bad. And then Pharaoh comes along and says, now it's going to get worse. You need to do more work and you need to do it in the same amount of time. Do you have any problems this week that have gotten worse? How many of you have a problem this week that's gotten worse? You were hoping it to get better, but it's actually gone the other way and it's gotten worse. Right? Raise your hand up because my hand is up. See? See my hand is up? Uh, I, I don't just have one. I, could, I wrote down four different problems this week that have gotten worse. They were better last week, and they're worse now. And I've prayed about them, and they're worse. God will allow bad to get worse. And the question is, in verse 22, the question that haunts our heart. It says, Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, what does it say? O Lord, why? Why? That's the question. Oh, Lord, why? 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 The, the most recent doctor's visit, things got worse. Most recent uh, annual review, things got worse. Most recent parenting effort, things got worse. Why? Why? It's the question that lingers the longest. Why? Did you ever, why? He said, oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. That follows you around too, right? And you have not. You can probably fill out a list of things in your life, right? That God has not done yet. You have not and what do you do with that? What do we do with that? Why? God will test our faith, and things will get worse in some areas than you can possibly imagine. What tests our faith? Well, physical wellness, finances. God can use words to test our faith, things that others say to you. God can use relational conflict to test your faith. Uh, he can use the challenge of love, ways that you need to be loving or ways that you are supposed to be loving, ways that people need to love you or ways you're supposed to love other people. He can use the test of love. And then he can just use the test of time, which just means wait, 
wait, wait, wait. This tests our faith. There's a quote that I heard several times. The author is anonymous, but it helps us to process why God would do this. This person wrote, When God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man, that all the world shall be amazed, watch his methods, watch his ways. How he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects. How he hammers him and hurts him and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands. How he bends but never breaks when his good he undertakes. By every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what God's about. It's a very different portrait of relating to God that we would prefer. We would prefer none of it. Why is it bad? Why is it worse? When things go from bad to worse, we must discern why, if we can. Sometimes the pain is not our fault. Sometimes the pain is our fault. Sometimes the pain is no one's fault. And it's simply a natural consequence or a random convergence of forces like rain and pavement and it's no one's fault um, it's really important when things go from bad to worse that you're asking yourself is this my fault uh, is this someone else's fault is this no one's fault we must understand that why because god might be trying to give you a wake-up call and saying you did this you did this and if you're not willing to wise up and see that you're reaping what you've sown, if you feel like a victim of cosmic forces, you're not going to get it. But if it isn't your fault, it's just as bad if you're blaming yourself. Well, I must have done something wrong. God must be upset with you. No, no, no. If it's not your fault, it's just as bad if you are acting like it's your fault. See, we've got to be very careful to try and discern, am I doing this? Am I reaping what I've sown? Often it's a combination of things. It's a combination of, I could have done better, but that person's really doing this. Or, you know, it's a combination of things. But we have to guard our hearts against blaming God. Every day there seems to be a new allegation in the news over sexual misconduct. Am I right? Uh, hashtag me too. Women are coming forward saying that there have been uh, abuses of authority, money, um, and um, all of these stories are coming out. Bill O'Reilly did an interview this week, uh, and he's been accused by women of sexual misconduct. It's important for me to make sure that you know that uh, he has not been convicted, uh, but he did just uh, complete a $32 million settlement with women who were alleging sexual misconduct. So the bottom line is, we don't know what happened. All right, but he's caught up caught up in this whole uh, thing right now. But I wanna, what I want to focus your attention on is what he's saying. And here's what he said. You know what? Am I mad at God? Yeah, I'm mad at him. O'Reilly said on the latest episode of his show, I wish I had more protection. I wish this stuff didn't happen. I can't explain it to you. Yeah, I'm mad at him. What his heart is revealing is this pattern of bad things happen and I blame God. 
And we have to guard our hearts against that pattern. Uh, what Bill O'Reilly is going through is not God's fault. It's a mixture of the celebrity life and complicated interactions he's had with multiple women and a very complicated legal process. And for him to sum it all up by pointing the finger up and saying, you did this to me. That's a sick heart. That's a sad heart. And maybe that's your heart. Maybe your first gut reaction is a clenched fist to the sky. Um, And that's unfortunate. God will allow bad to get worse. We must not allow ourselves to turn on the Lord. We have to turn to the Lord, not turn on the Lord when things get bad. And that's true when it's your fault. And that's true when it's not your fault. That's true when it's nobody's fault. Get out of this habit of turning on God when life gets bad. Because what you're doing is you're demanding something that he will never give you. Take my pain away, then I'll love you. No deal. No deal. He will never agree to that. And if you protest by staying home from church or crossing your arms or you're trying to punish God into agreeing to your plan, he will never agree to your plan. He will not take your pain away. He will allow bad to get worse. Why? It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. I love what one commentator said about pain entering into the Christian life. He said this, Is not this the way our Savior went forward to his glory? And if it is the way the Master went, shall not the servant tread it still? Furthermore, do we know anything that our hearts want more than to be made like the Son of God in all things? Isn't that convicting? Because in demanding a life without pain, I'm demanding a life without Christ. Do you see that? I want a life without pain. Well, then you want a life without Christ. You don't want to be like Jesus if that's what your heart wants most. I think deep down, often we desire the wrong thing. We want a life where God is no longer necessary. Don't we? And if you want a life where God is not necessary, be careful what you wish for. I think what we really should want, what we should really be praying for, is not a life where Christ is unnecessary, but praying for a life where Christ is supreme. And if that's what we really want, it will involve pain. We must invite God to use our pain for his purpose. One of the most surefire answers to the question of why is this. God is doing this to strengthen and enhance your relationship with Jesus. Use that. Pray that. Lord, use this pain. Use this trial. I don't know why it came. I don't know how long it's going to be here. But Lord, use this to strengthen and enhance my relationship to your son. He'll answer that prayer every time. 100% answer rate if you ask it. 
Use this pain to strengthen and enhance my relationship to your son. Number one, God will allow your life to get bad. Number two, God will allow bad to get worse. What do I do when this happens? Well, check out chapter 6. They're making bricks without straw now. Chapter 6, verse 5. God talks to Moses and says this. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. The word covenant means a promise, agreement. God made a binding promise called a covenant with Abraham. And God's remembering things he's promised right now. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to you, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Write this down. Number one, God will allow your life to get bad. Two, God will allow bad to get worse. Three, cling to the promises of God. When life is hard and getting harder, believe that God's word is true. Moses is hearing from the Lord. I am the Lord. I've made promises. I'm going to do this. And the, but the people, they're just in anguish. They're just broken. They're worn out. It says they have broken spirits and they're in harsh slavery. So often in the Bible, it just says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. And maybe that's what you need to hear today. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Cling to the promises of God. You have to believe God's promises with all your heart before they, before they come true. This is the cry of faith. Two things that you'll question when life gets harder. You'll question God's power and you'll question God's goodness. You'll question his power. Can God help me? Can God do this? Can he deliver me? Can he fix this? Can he? You'll question his power and you'll question his goodness. Will, will he? Will he? Will he help me? Will he? You have to affirm his power and affirm his goodness before you see it. We see here that no one really has ultimate authority to shape the story of the Israelites but God. That's true for you too. You might have somebody like Pharaoh in your life who's domineering and making it so hard for you to follow God and this person just making your life worse and worse. And guess what? They don't get ultimate authority to determine your story. God doesn't give anyone else ultimate authority in your life. They can't command you. They can't define you. They can't ruin you. God is the one who holds that power. Look to him. I love how verse 5 affirms that God is listening. It says in verse 5, I have heard. God says, I have heard the groaning. And what a challenge that is to us. Are you praying? God is listening. God is listening. Are you talking? His ear is open. Are you talking? Or do you get tight-lipped when pain comes into your life? 
not talking to him. Why would I talk to him? Why would I talk to him? He, isn't, he didn't do anything. He didn't do what I asked. He didn't do what I asked. Why would I talk to him now? Is that you? Is that your heart? Is that your stubborn, willful, selfish, defiant spirit toward the God who wants to use this to bless you? You've got to talk. You've got to talk. You can't get bitter. God's listening. I have some things in my life where I've talked to God and it's been a very short conversation. Sometimes he said no, sometimes he's answered. It's been awesome. And then I have other things in my life where I keep talking and God keeps listening and uh, things aren't happening like I thought. Do you have those talks with God? Do you have long conversations going on with God right now? I've got those. Conversations that turn into like chapters. And some are good, some are bad, but it's not over yet. Sometimes when I get so confused and and down about something, I'll literally say to God, I don't know how to talk to you about this anymore. I'll say that. I've, I've said everything I can, and I don't see a way forward. I don't know how to talk to you about this anymore. I'll just say that. And we have to be honest with the Lord, but those are, those are groanings that he hears. And this is a long conversation that's been going on in Egypt. Hundreds of years has been going on. Hard conversations. I love what Tim Keller says about prayer. He said, prayer is the way to experience a powerful confidence that God is handling our lives well. That our bad things will turn out for good. Our good things cannot be taken from us. And the best things are yet to come. Do you believe that? Talk to God. Invite him into your grief. Invite him into your anguish, your impatience, your failure. Invite him to your pain. And he will meet you there.